This is the Big E Sports Show on SB Nation Radio. The road to redemption has brought the Warriors back home. The Golden State Warriors are the 2017 NBA champions. Here's your host, six foot one former Oklahoma Sooner basketball player, Alyssa Walker Campbell. Number two at SB Nation Radio, the Big E Sports Show. I am Elissa Walker Campbell. Thank you so much for joining us on this Friday night. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And before we get underway here at Hour 2, we always got to take time to pause and recognize one of our corporate partners and sponsors, and that is Inispec Oilfield Services, where chemistry matters, seasoned chemical service veterans, longtime industry innovators, custom chemical solutions, and services. They are no stranger to every major Texas energy play. You can check them out online at inispecinc.com. Well, before the commercial break, uh, I said we're going to talk some college football, and right now we're going to head to Austin and focus our attention on the Longhorns. That's because, you know what? It was early signing period on Wednesday and the Longhorns took care of business. So our go-to guy to give us the skinny is the senior editor with Horns Illustrated Magazine. Always amazing. Steve Habel. Merry Christmas, Steve. Hi, Alyssa. Happy holidays to you guys and thanks for having me on. Always good to have you on the program. So let's talk about your Longhorns because they really did get after it. Uh, Tell us about the 2018 recruiting class because it features truly the best Texans out there as they secured eight of the state's top 12 players. Yeah, uh, Coach Herman has really, really got after it. He really was kind of appalled that when he got here last year and was hired at Texas that uh, a lot of the best players were going out of state. Uh, he's, uh, he's made it a real goal to keep all the best players, uh, as many as he can, in Texas and as many as he can with his team. But there was a time yesterday afternoon on Wednesday afternoon, Alyssa, where uh, Texas had signed the top five players uh, rated in the state of Texas, which hasn't been happening in a long, long time. Um, you know, Texas didn't have a great season this year. Uh, they're 6-6 six and six going into the Texas Bowl on the 27th. But from the start, Herman's guys have done a great job corralling uh, uh, talent for this next class and uh, for just getting people excited about what they're doing in Texas. Uh, uh, I heard somebody say yesterday that um, on, on Wednesday that in a space of 24 hours, Texas became a potential top 10 team in the next year. So uh, I don't know if that's the case, but they're certainly a better team that in that 24-hour period than they were 24 hours before. The College Football Conversation continues with Steve Havel after this quick break. This is the Big E Sports Show on SB Nation Radio. Here's your host, Alyssa Walker-Campbell. Welcome back to hour number two, SB Nation Radio, the Big E Sports Show. Happy holidays. We are going to pick up our conversation with the senior editor from Horns Illustrated Magazine, and that is Steve Habel. When I saw all that go down on Wednesday, and as you had just mentioned, you know, a 6-6 six and six regular season record, I have to tell you, I was surprised. Uh, you know, I thought that there perhaps might be some hesitation from some of those top recruits, but Tom Herman was able to accomplish this. So talk to me about how was he able to find success and, and get some of any of those top recruits? Well, I think, you know, it's about time, like uh, we, we discussed before, uh, Alyssa, it's time for Texas to be Texas again. And these Texas players that uh, Herman went after, I mean, he sold that to them. He sold them to the fact that they can be part of making Texas great again. You know, it's been a long time since Texas has been great, uh, but that's having Texas good is good for it's good for college football. 
but that doesn't mean anything to a 16, 17-year-old kid. But they they thinking about how they can make an impact, how they can play in front of 105,000 fans and, and Royal Memorial Stadium and and have be on TV with their own network. I mean, it's a it's a big deal to play football for the University of Texas, and I think that that he's just basically cultivated uh, the interest that's been there and been laying kind of dormant. The senior editor with Horns Illustrated Magazine, he is back with uh, Steve Habel. Joining us tonight, SB Nation Radio, the Big E Sports Show. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Join us live at Twitter, at E Radio Sports, and you can always go back and listen to this interview with Steve at podcastarena.com. Well, that's right. We are in the Big 12 Conference. We are shining the spotlight on the Texas Longhorns. Uh, they really uh, took advantage of the college football early signing period. It really cleaned up nicely. And one of the things I want to hear and, and learn more about is Tom Herman's recruiting style, uh, because here he has landed so many uh, fantastic uh, players, elite talent. Uh, do you know anything about his presentation? I mean, what is he like when he comes into your living room, and how would you say that he, is he different than, you know, Charlie Strong or even Mac Brown? Well, I mean, both those guys were great recruiters, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. I, I, haven't, been in, I haven't been in the living room with, with, with Coach Herman, but I think that Everybody responds to the fact that, that Herman is a straight shooter, and he he was happy to tell players yesterday that or on Wednesday that didn't sign that you know if you're whining about playing time or what kind of shoes you're going to wear or how many pairs of shoes you're going to wear or guaranteed uh, you know playing time at Texas you know just move on we don't really need you we want somebody here that's going to work and make this and make this team great again. Uh, and that's that's obviously hit a hit a great chord with these these guys that he's uh, he's recruited for Texas. You know, Texas um, cast a big shadow with it. You know that as well as anybody. Yeah. And you know, yes, Oklahoma has dominated the Big Twelve. Oklahoma State's played well. Baylor's been good. TCU had a great year this year. But really, if somebody if a guy from Texas comes into your living room and says he wants you to play, and he's a straight shooter with you, and gives you the actual uh, realization of where you, how you're going to contribute to the team, it's hard. It's hard to back away from that. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it'd be like at this time. Uh, you know, I, the one thing I can say about Herman is that he's a, he's an upfront guy, and he's he's pretty much been a straight shooter with us as, as uh, members of the press, and he understands that. You know, when you don't tell the truth and you don't, you try to sugarcoat things and it comes back to haunt you in the long run. And I think kids are really responding to that. He's an upfront guy, a straight shooter, but he also, when you look at his demeanor and disposition, when I watch that stuff online, I've not been at one of his press conferences, he is really intense. I mean, you've had an opportunity, Steve, you know, as the senior editor of Horns Illustrated Magazine and, and as a reporter there in Austin, you know, to visit with a lot of the players. I mean, what were their takeaways uh, from the season? I think that uh, that Texas was disappointed they didn't play better in some games, Um but you know, there, this is a whole, whole different situation because Texas had so many injuries, especially to the offensive line. They weren't able to do things that they really wanted to do on offense. Everything was simplified. And if you're uh, playing major college football and you're simplifying an offense because of injuries, I mean, the other team's defense is going to pick up on that no matter what. I mean, Texas defense played great uh, this year, and you know they got some great players. It's just a matter of uh, you know, 
I think the team adopted Herman's uh, intensity and the, and the defensive, uh, uh, Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator's intensity about getting things done. And all it, it's just going to carry forward for Texas. Uh, like, like I said earlier, I think it's just time for Texas to be Texas again. Is he the most intense coach you've ever been around when we talk about Tom Herman? Uh, I would. I don't know if I'd say that. There's been some pretty intense guys out there, man. I think my junior <laughs> high coach was pretty intense. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I, I did something that I have never done before. Right. But uh, <laughs> but I think that I think Coach Herman gets his point across pretty well, and that and that that resonates with players these days. Hey, we are so glad you're with us Friday night here, SB Nation Radio, the big eSports show. The countdown's on for the Christmas holiday, and Christmas comes early when Steve Habel is with us. He is the senior editor with Horns Illustrated Magazine. Of course, we extended this invitation to him because we want to talk about the Texas Bowl and give you the preview, the skinny Texas and Missouri. But also, uh, for you Longhorn fans, I know you guys are celebrating a little bit early because of the early signing period. Uh, Tom Herman really taking care of business. So we want to learn more, Steve, uh, about this recruiting class. Kind of give us, um, you know, who could be potentially uh, the biggest surprise in 2018. Well, I'm not going to say any big, any names specifically about being a surprise because I don't want to set any high expectations. But I think that Herman said yesterday that he really expects uh, the defensive back class Uh uh, to shine. And that's good because uh, they're losing some guys. They're losing Holton Hill. And uh, Deshaun Elliott from the from the defensive back class uh, that uh, this year that have been so good. Elliott was a was a was a Philip Award finalist, and Holton Hill was uh, probably the best defensive back on the team uh, through the first half of the season until he got suspended. But he uh, so you know Texas Texas is a defensive back university, and so they've got guys uh, they've got a tradition of having great players there, and I think that when you sign a great player to a position that's supposed to be great at, at a university, then that's when they really uh, show what they have. And that's, that's, that's what I think would be the best uh, evaluation of the early class for Texas. Okay, so Texas has got a terrific group, as you said, Steve, of defensive backs coming in and perhaps uh, one of the best that they've had in many, many more years. How many more players uh, will Texas be looking to sign, and, and what is the max? Well, they can sign as many as they want for as far as they have the scholarships for them. I think that the, the number thirty-one has been bantied okay, about. Right. I think mm-hmm. that they had sixteen or seventeen kids that signed on Wednesday. Um, you know, it's interesting this early signing period thing, Alyssa. I covered the uh, Frisco Bowl on Wednesday night uh, between Louisiana Tech and SMU on the same day that they were signing players. You know, uh, September. Uh, excuse me, on December the twentieth. Getting ready for a bowl game and signing players on the same day, <laughs> and it was an interesting dynamic between those coaches. What they, what kind of day they had. Yeah. Um, I, and I love the early signing period. I think everybody, everybody likes the fact that if you're gonna, you're gonna find a kid who really, he's ready to commit to you. Um, don't drag it out until February. Let's get them, get them in, you know, sign. Let's get the playbook to them. Let's get them acclimated to the team. And eight players uh, in the early signing class for Texas are are going to be early enrollees. So, you know, they'll be actually competing for spots uh, on the team next year. Mm-hmm. Hey, Steve, we're running out of time. Only have uh, time for one more question. Uh, give us a quick hit and a preview on the Texas Bowl as the Longhorns will face the Tigers, Missouri Tigers, a team that is 7-5. and five. Uh, Who's going to start a quarterback? <laughs> that's, 
a great question. Come on, bring it. Who's going to start the quarterback? This is exclusive. Uh, you know, we've had, <laughs> we've had, uh, had 12 games, and the, uh, the two tech quarterbacks have started each six apiece. Um, I would probably think that Sam Erlinger is going to start okay. uh, if he's healthy. Yeah. And it shows that he is. But, uh, but you know, I think they could go series to series, play to play. That's the way Herman has said uh, that, that it could happen. So uh, don't be surprised if, if who who. Who trucks out there? We, we're always kind of surprised at what's happening. Okay, yeah. We'll wait and see. Hey, you've been listening to The Voice, Steve Habel, senior editor of Horns Illustrated Magazine. He is also uh, a correspondent with the Sports Exchange. You can check him out at Twitter online, at Steve Habel. Always does an amazing job. Uh, so happy holidays and happy New Year, Steve. We look forward to catching up with you in 2018. You take care, my friend. Thanks for having me. Take care. You bet. Great way to kick off hour number two. SB Nation Radio, the next generation of sports radio. Much more coming your way. This is the Big E Sports Show on SB Nation Radio. Here's your host, Alyssa Walker-Campbell. Hey, welcome back. SB Nation Radio, the Big E Sports Show. Merry Christmas and happy holidays from all of us right here at the next generation of sports radio. Before we get underway with our next interview, always got to take time to pause and recognize one of our exceptional corporate partners and sponsors. That is Innispec Oil Field Services, where chemistry matters, seasoned chemical service veterans, longtime industry innovators, custom chemical solutions and services. They are no stranger to every major Texas energy play. Check them out online at InnispecInc.com. Well, before the commercial break, that's right, as promised, we're going to talk some baseball. And uh, we know it well right here in Houston because 2017 was a magical year. The Astros being world champs. And we have extended an invitation to our dear friend of our program. He's been on many, many times throughout the years. That is Harvey Fromer, a prolific, a very well-respected sports journalist. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and we're going to highlight his book. Christmas is just a few days away. It is the perfect gift. We're going to highlight his new book that was released this fall, The Ultimate Yankee Book. Welcome in, Dr. Harvey Fromer. How are you? I'm doing very well. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Can't wait for the holiday next week. But let's talk about, before we dive in and talk about all the movement that's taken place in the offseason with your Yankees, uh, you got to give some love to all of us down here in Houston. And how about the Astros? 56 years in the making. Talk about this historic championship. Uh, well, I have a memory of sitting with uh, Yogi Berra when he was a coach for the Houston Astros in those candy looking uh, uniforms. <laughs> uh, I, I was actually uh, doing a Nolan Ryan's autobiography, and uh, he, uh, Yogi gets got in there earlier than me, and I usually got into the ballpark very early to get myself set up. Uh-huh. And uh, this is the Astrodome, and he says to me, you know, if it rains, we're not going to get wet. So I said, Yogi, that was one of, not one of your best <laughs> Yogi-isms, but I loved it anyway. So that's, that's my tracing back to uh, Houston. And then seeing uh, Nolan and Ruth Ryan looking at them uh, through my television uh, screen at home in Lyme, New Hampshire, uh, and I'm watching you know, the expressions on both of their faces, uh, sweating out uh, the, uh, the world championship uh, quest uh, with all you great Texas fans there. I was rooting for your team, too, because I always I, I felt that when the season began, they had a great shot at winning. And it's a very attractive uh, team. It's not only just a, a world championship team, but you've got a lot of players who are very pleasing, the managers pleasing, and the whole environment of uh, the, 
the, the, the team is a pleasing thing, I think, for, and it's a good thing for baseball. Well, there were so many epic moments when we talk about this year's World Series, uh, Houston winning it all. And, you know, as you just think about, you were kind of walking down memory lane. You know, what's remarkable is just how the Astros throughout the years, they had to really muscle through a lot of difficult times and all those years of losing. And it wasn't easy. I mean, you talk 56 years in the making. Uh, it's incredible. They're finally, you know, king of the hill. And I think they'll be king of the hill for a while now. A lot, a lot of good young players and others coming up. And hopefully they'll make some moves during the offseason, even just to strengthen the team more. Yeah, you know, Jeff Lewis. The Yankees, mm-hmm. the Yankees are coming. The Yankees are coming. <laughs> hey, and we're going to talk about some of these offseason moves that have taken place uh, with the Yankees. But I want to ask you this, since you are a baseball historian, you know, last year, 2016, it was the Chicago Cubs. 2017, it was the Astros. What did we learn from this year's teams on this year's team on how to build a World Series champion. I mean, Houston, you know, they found a formula that, you know, required from starting at the bottom and, and working their way up and, and a complete rebuild, but they were able to get it done. And as you said, it's sustainable. It looks like they're going to, you know, be in the hunt for many years to yeah. come. They're not afraid to spend money, and they're not afraid to make moves, and they got a brilliant front office and an owner who really cares. So I think that really is the formula. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the other teams are in it just for the making of the money. I think Houston is in it, you know, for the the making of the magic, as you said before. Dr. Harvey Frommer with us tonight, SB Nation Radio, the Big East Sports Show, well-known author, New York uh, New York Times best-selling author. His latest release is the Ultimate Yankee Book, and so we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about his Yankees and how is their off season? How is it coming together? And are you optimistic? Uh, I'm very, very optimistic. Uh, the, the 2017 season was a kind of a shocker for me. I didn't expect that they'd do as well as they did to uh, get with the game of getting into the uh, the World Series. Uh, but they've got a tremendous nucleus of young players there and uh, judges, you know, one of them, et cetera, yes. et cetera. And then with the adding now of uh, Stanton, uh, Judge and Stanton is like Ruth and Garrett revisited. Uh, the shocking thing to me was uh, uh-huh. Joe Girardi, after a decade as the manager of the Yankees, just being canned. But uh, I was pleased to see that Aaron Boone, uh, who has his own way of hitting uh, epic home runs and who is a wonderful ESPN uh, broadcaster, in my opinion, he was hired to replace uh, Joe Girardi. So that's another one of the big moves that they have uh, there. And I think they've probably got a couple of other things up their sleeve, uh, but the team... Uh, has an incredible farm system, one of the best in baseball now. And uh, as I learned, I wrote, I've written eight, eight books on the Yankees and hundreds of articles that I wrote for the team for 18 years. So I know the Yankee DNA and I know the history very well. It's just uh, what comes around, comes around, and comes around. Uh, they keep coming up with new dynasties. And I, I think for those who hate the Yankees, they better watch out. And for those who love the Yankees, they're going to be very happy. But in my book, I go through the various decades and the ownerships, et cetera, and, and show how um, there is something in that DNA and the ethos of the Yankees that has them you know, maybe have a couple of uh, down years or ordinary years, and all of a sudden another dynasty begins. And my prediction is that starting in 2018, uh, they'll be they'll be fighting with Houston and other teams uh, to win a world championship. And of course, the title of Dr. Harvey Frommer's book is "The Ultimate Yankee Book: From the Beginning to Today: 
trivia facts and stats, oral history, marker moments, and legendary personalities, a history and a reference book about baseball's greatest franchise. Hey, I want to talk some more about, uh, you know, as we were talking about some of the moves that have taken place in the offseason, uh, you had just mentioned the newest manager of the Yankees, Aaron Boone. Uh, he certainly, you know, I watched the press conference. Uh, he was impressive. I thought he was a terrific uh, analyst with ESPN. He played 12 seasons in the majors and uh, won the hearts of everybody. What's kind of been the reaction as far as uh, from the fans? How excited are they uh, to see him, uh, you know? I think uh, there's a lot of excitement among the media and, and by the fans also. Uh, and he, although he's never managed before or even coached before, I think he has the smarts to really uh, do a really fine uh, job. And uh, the, the management is, is really behind him, and I think the players will be behind him. And he's, he's kind of a household word with that epic shot that he hit some years ago and also with his ESPN work. So he's really not a guy that's you know, just picked off the street. And he understands the expectations. Things like like, uh, Aaron Boone have happened. Uh, Reaching back into Yankee history, uh, owner Jake Rupert had uh, a chance to uh, change his manager. He was the guy who bought the team. He's the one who created really the Yankee empire. And he reached out and got a guy who had been fired by the St. Louis Cardinals, a man named Miller Huggins. He had never met Miller Huggins. And this is an aristocratic uh, New Yorker. He owned uh, the biggest brewery in the world, and he was a multimillionaire, one of the wealthiest men in the world. Mm-hmm. And this guy came in with a cap on, dirty shoes, and uh, had no tie or a frail tie, and he was totally unimpressed with the look of him. But Rupert was smart enough, after doing an hour interview, to realize that this guy will be the guy who will win me world championships. And that guy uh, was only five foot four. He was almost like a little midget there. Wow! You know, next to Rupert, and also he he had to control Babe Ruth, who was six three and over two hundred pounds. <laughs> so that that's the analogy that I'm making now mm-hmm. to managers. You know, as part of the whole Yankee ethos. And then uh, he, he died, and then along came uh, Joe McCarthy, and this guy had also been fired. Uh, from his position with the Red Sox, or the Cubs, actually. But a uh, group took a chance and hired him. And for a while, they called him second-place Joe because uh, he couldn't, uh, you know, win the pennant. And then there was this string of, like, four straight pennants, and he no longer was second-place Joe. And then we could go to Casey Stengel, uh, who was kind of a joke all around baseball. And he kicked around for years and years. And uh, when they, they fired a guy in the 40s, uh, Casey was plucked out of nowhere from the minor leagues to, to manage the Yankees. And I had a, I have a quote in my book by Eddie Lopat, who was a star pitcher for the Yankees. We thought we got us a clown, but we got us a clown, but we also got us a great manager. And Stengel uh, was there for about a dozen years, you know, winning all of those championships. And they fired him. And, uh, and he, he, he uttered the famous line, I'll never make the mistake of being 70 years old again. Mm-hmm. They fired him. They said he was too old. And I met Casey Stengel when, as he rebounded. And I recall this in the book because I have some of my own personal stories about Yankees. I met him at uh, <laughs> Shea Stadium when he was hired uh, to be a kind of uh, entertainer for the, for the New York Mets, not so much a manager. The team was terrible. And I came in just as I had come in with Yogi Berra early in the morning. And I thought Casey Stengel was sleeping in that dugout. 
I didn't want to wake him, so I sat at the very other end, try to get my notes together and things together. He yelled, "Come on over here!" Uh-huh. <laughs> so I came over there uh-huh. and I showed him my clipboard, which it said, "Please extend all courtesies to Dr. Harvey Frome." Well, I guess I didn't know what book I was doing at that time. And he says to me, "Oh, you're a doctor. I heard here. I heard here. I heard uh-huh. here." You've got to take care of me, Doc. And I said, uh, I'm not that kind of a doctor. I'm a PhD. That I'll take any kind of doctor. There are so many epic moments, streaks, and feats. It is all inside. He captured it all inside the book, The Ultimate Yankee Book, from the beginning to today. We've been visiting with Dr. Harvey Fromer, New York Times bestselling author and a prolific uh, and respected sports journalist and oral historian. Always, Dr. Fromer, it is a true pleasure to have you on the program. Congratulations. And we look forward to 2018 and uh, what is just around the corner. Okay, I wish for you and yours a really peaceful and pleasant and healthy Uh, New Year, and a merry Christmas, and it's also a peaceful Christmas time. Thank you so much, Harvey. Blessings to to everyone. Yes. Stick around. Much more coming your way. The next generation of sports radio, SB Nation Radio. This is the Big E Sports Show on SB Nation Radio. Here's your host, Alyssa Walker-Campbell. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Welcome in to SB Nation Radio, the Big E Sports Show. Hi, I'm Alyssa Walker-Campbell. And before we get underway with our interview, hey, we've got to take time to pause and recognize one of our exceptional corporate sponsors and partners. And that is Inispec Oilfield Services, where chemistry matters, seasoned chemical service veterans, longtime industry innovators, custom chemical solutions and services They are no stranger to every major Texas energy play, unequaled personal service. Check them out online at inspecinc.com. Well, we are so glad you're with us because you know what? Right now we're getting ready to hoop it up. We're going to talk some college basketball, and we are so delighted to have with us that is Brian Murphy. He's a sports columnist with St. Paul Pioneer Press. He has just released his new book, 100 Things Minnesota Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. It's his first time on the show. Good evening, Brian. Nice to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Alyssa. Okay, so before we get into the book, uh, you know what? I want to talk some uh, basketball, and uh, let's get up to speed on uh, Richard Pitino's team and how the Golden Gophers, how their season is playing out. I know they're coming off a very nice break, uh, but they had lost two of their last three games. So uh, just kind of give us the pulse on uh, how this season has played out so far. Yeah, yeah, it's been a nine-day break. In fact, when they play Oral Roberts tonight at home, uh, it'll be 10 days since their last game, and uh, the last game was kind of a disappointing one-point victory over Drake. They have lost two of their last three, including a loss to, to Arkansas that, that helped drop them out of the, the top 25 for the first time. Uh, this is a stretch now where they got, I think it's three more non-conference games, uh, and two of them are in the next three days. They're also hosting Florida Atlantic on Saturday. Uh, they'll do as much as they can to try to get back into that. They're not putting a lot of pressure on themselves because, you know, preseason or early season non-conference rankings aren't exactly, uh, they don't hold water too long. But, uh, you know, the, the way that they had been playing to start the season uh, was solid. They were getting balanced scoring. Uh, they were getting, you know, they were capping into their bench, which hadn't been a, was not a factor last year. And, their defense was play, it was well, but uh, it was was strong. But it hasn't been that way lately. They've been giving up a lot of three pointers. Coach Richard Pitino stressed that yesterday during practice. They got to start defending better because once Big Ten play starts, it's a whole new game. 
Yeah, and Coach Richard Patino, he talked about that one point when, as you had mentioned, that nail-biter over Drake, that really this could serve as a great wake-up call for his team. As you said, there are a number of issues that they've got to address, and they have got to close out on that three-point line. I mean, they're leaving those guys wide open. Yeah, and and this was something last year that they, they had great defense. That's back, right. They were able to challenge. Um, they only allowed four opponents to make double-digit uh, three-pointers last season. They've already had six teams do it so far in 12 games this time. So they they know what their their, their faults are. They know what their strengths are. Uh, I think, you know, th- this is still a club, you know, this is a club that is kind of kind of hitting its stride now under Richard Pitino's fourth season in Minnesota. This is sort of his club. This is his finger. His fingerprints are on this roster. He recruited these players. Um there's a lot of excitement here in Minnesota for college basketball that hasn't been here in a while. You know, coming into the 2017-2018 season for the Gophers, um, you know, they were hoping to avoid a season on the bubble because last year, what, they were 24-10, and 11-7 and 7 in Big Ten conference play. So uh, they've got to get it figured out here at the end of 2017 so that they can really get on a roll because we know, Brian, you know how important momentum is, and you want to have that kind of momentum uh, when you're heading into uh, late February into the month of March. Well, they were able to, they did that last year. They got hot toward the end of the season yep. and, and they ended up getting a number five seed in the NCAA tournament, but, uh, they were favored against Middle Tennessee State, but unfortunately they got bounced out in the first round and that kind of left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. But it did, I think, uh, serve as a motivation. Uh, this team feels like it has some potential. It has, it has a opportunity. It's got a deep and balanced roster, uh, that can compete with Michigan State, compete with Ohio State, compete with Wisconsin and, and sort of, you know, at least, Give people here hope because the football team hasn't been doing well lately. And granted, PJ Fleck is just going into his second season, but there's not a lot of excitement right now on the University of Minnesota campus. But there is for this basketball team. Well, giving this team hope, I, I want to hear some more about uh, the rotation of the front court because, what, from what I understand, coming into this season, um, they were able to acquire some really good players. Yeah, well, Jordan Murphy's really their their kind oh, of. Oh my gosh! Their, Tell me about Jordan. <laughs> I, I mean, he's a slasher. He's a dasher. He's 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 fun. He's uh, he's a crowd favorite. Um, he's he's a really dynamic player. And and you know the Gophers, you know they 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 play a lot of meat and potatoes basketball most of the time. But Jordan Jordan Murphy can bring fans at Williams Arena onto their feet. And that place when that place gets rocking, Williams Arena can really can really be intimidating for a road opponent. Well, and I've got to share with our listeners tonight, I mean, Jordan Murphy, he is posting some incredible totals. Okay, yeah, he's, he's averaging 20 points a game, but he is leading the nation in rebounding, 13 rebounds a game. So just talk about his ability to pursue the basketball, to go after those caroms. I mean, he, he's got a real knack for finding that basketball. Yeah, he's got a nose for it, and he's, and he's motivated to do it. And Richard Pitino has said that before, too. Like, if, if when Jordan Murphy's on his game and he wants to play and he's engaged, He's as tough to beat as anybody in the paint, and he's always, you know, he's always got uh, a sense of. of it, it, he doesn't want to put the team on his shoulders, um, but Richard Pitino says sometimes he has to, and he has been so far this season. And he is a junior out of San Antonio, Texas. We are right here in the Lone Star State, so uh, you know, I know Jordan's got fans down here. What are the expectations for him? I mean, Brian, do they talk about that? You know, he can take his game uh, to that next level. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the the, the thing that really is uh, surprising people is is how efficient he's been on both ends of the floor. As you mentioned, the rebounding's been there, um, but also you know he's been distributing too. I mean he's 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 been helping his team teammates out. He's the guy that the offense kind of rotates through, and as long as he's staying out of foul trouble and staying on the floor, I mean the the, the Gophers have as good a chance to beat anybody. 
What do you think has been the key, though, for him averaging and getting that real boost in terms of with his totals? Because last year he averaged 11 points and, and eight rebounds. Confidence. I think it's pure and simple. It's just confidence. I mean, he was adjusting to the new team a little bit. I don't think he, as a sophomore, felt like he could assert himself. But now, as one of the upperclassmen, he's uh, he's he's fit into his role well. And I think, you know, as, as Richard Pitino has said, it's it's not always going to be about Jordan Murphy, but our team seems to respond when Jordan responds. And, he, and you know, as, as the record and his stats indicate, um, the team has been uh, more consistent with him, and, and you know, he's, he's been more efficient with the ball. We are so glad you're with us tonight. SB Nation Radio, the Big E Sports Show, the next generation of sports radio. Happy holidays. Hey, we're in the Big Ten Conference right now. We're talking about the Minnesota Golden Gophers with Brian Murphy. He is a sports columnist. He is an author. He is with the St. Paul Pioneer Press. And I promise we're going to shine the spotlight on his new book, our good friends that we team up with each and every week. That is our friends at Triumph Books. Uh, Brian's new book is 100 Things Minnesota Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. But he's given us the pulse on uh, the Golden Gophers. And so talk to us about as far as here, Richard Pacino, he arrived in Minneapolis four years ago. Um, you know, just kind of the job that he has done and, and just your assessment overall of his body of work. Well, it was dicey early on. And, and, and I think, you know, mm. people, you know, everybody here has been preaching patience. They've been preaching patience for a long time. And what, what happened was, you know, he inherited a roster that had a lot of holes in it. But not only that, the, the team was beset by scandal uh, two years ago. There was uh, sexual assault charges and allegations made against a couple of players wow. that were since dismissed. But it did, uh, you know, it derailed what Patino was trying to do. And I think right now, this year, this is the year where things are coming together. He's got his class together. He's got these guys playing well together. They've got some chemistry. They've been, um, you know, they've been together now for several of them for several years now. And there's just a sense that. The timing is right for them to maybe put on some kind of a run. And Richard Pitino, gosh, he's a young guy. I mean, Brian, he's only 34 years of age. 34 years old. He's 34. And would you say, I mean, is this fair? I mean, he's never had this much talent on this particular roster. So big expectations uh, continue. Big expectations. And I think, uh, you know, I don't even know if he had this much talent when he's down in Florida. I think Florida International. I mean, this is his best team right now, and he knows that. So he's going to have to do his job. Uh, and, and live up to his expectations. He did get a contract extension recently. Uh, he's got some job security. There's, there's no, you know, the fan base has been fairly satisfied with the job he did. He did clean up the program after I mentioned some of those, uh, those incidents off the court. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of confidence in Patino and this roster right now. We are down here in Houston, Texas. Of course, you know we're in the Big Twelve Conference. How is Big Ten uh, basketball so far early in the 2017-2018 season? What are, what what have you seen so far, Brian? Uh, it's it's still rough to tumble. Yeah, I mean you gotta you, you gotta put on your man shoes, I guess, to play in those <laughs> or your woman shoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know Minnesota has always been in a position where. The expectations have been fairly low, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I think people are are wondering, you know, are they going to be able to? You know, Michigan State is obviously in a class uh, of itself with Miles Bridges. Um, can they get into that second tier? Can they can they break through and and compete, if not for a title, 
at least get in a, you know, maybe a top 15, top 10 type ranking. And this could be the year they could do it. Okay, Brian Murphy's brand new book. He's a sports columnist with St. Paul Pioneer Press. Check him out online. His book is 100 Things Minnesota Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. We're going to continue with his basketball theme, even though this is an eclectic book. So many wonderful stories that you have in it, and it's jam-packed. It is the ultimate resource for true fans of the Golden Gophers. But all I can say is when I played basketball at the University of Oklahoma, we went up there to uh, Minnesota. And uh, even though I started in that game, it wasn't one of my best outings. I was so freaked out by that floor. That raised floor, I thought I was going to fall off if I you know, was going after or diving after a loose ball. Yeah, one of the unique qualities of Williams Arena, which is known <laughs> affectionately around here yeah. as the barn, it was built in 1928, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's raised floor, which was installed in the 1940s, which basically rests about uh, three feet off of the, the main floor. And the idea was, at the time, they thought, well, this would give spectators a better opportunity uh, to, to see the game at, at, at their level and, and not have to kind of peek through uh, players' legs and, and you know, tall guys and, and arms and, and, and a coach stomping around. But it does lead to, I mean, for, for teams that are, don't play there very often, it's certainly non-conference teams, uh, you got to keep your head on a swivel when you're doing that. <laughs> you sure do. Because you could easily end up in the band or a photographer's pit. And, uh you know, the coaches actually have to sit on stools up on the raised floor uh, as opposed to, you know, stalking the sidelines as they normally do at most arenas. But Williams Arena is also known for its its loud. It's old. It's got steel girders. It's, it's brick and mortar. Uh, and when that place can get 16,000 people in there uh, rocking, it, it reminds people, or me at least, that at the old Chicago Stadium where the Bulls and the Blackhawks used to play in that that, that it was just a steady din. It just sort of never went away. It was just a, a reverberation of sound. And, you know, the Gophers have been able to use that. As, and it's, been, it's a unique place because it's, it's hosted uh, Final Fours. It's hosted, uh, it's hosted presidential candidates. Um, it had the funeral of uh, beloved Senator Paul Wellstone about 15 years ago was held there. Oh, yeah. um, it's sort of a community uh, crown jewel. And there's been times where the university talked about uh, tearing it down and building a multi-purpose uh, arena, both to house women's and men's basketball, uh, and maybe even hockey. Uh, but the, the community would have none of it. The barn is unique. It's sort of like Fenway Park and Wrigley Field. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very special place. Hey, Sports Columnist Brian Murphy with us. SB Nation Radio, the Big East Sports Show. Uh, so let's dive into uh, real deep into your book, 100 Things Minnesota Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. We've been talking a lot about college basketball, but you also uh, dedicate one of the chapters um, to Kevin McHale. He's very special. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, he, he came to the U in 1978, and uh, he, he, he was part of what was called Big Man U. There was him and Jim Brewer, both over seven feet. Um, and McHale, you know, was part of the last Big Ten championship team also for the Gophers. It's been that long because they had one wiped out in 1997 wow. by an ac- academic That is a long time. And then, of course, you know, McHale being from, from Hibbing, Minnesota, which was mostly known for mm. its hockey talent and Bob Dillman's hometown, um, came down and kind of helped put them on the map. And then when he got drafted by the Boston Celtics, he was the first Minnesota Gopher player uh, to win an NBA championship. We are inside the Big Ten Conference going one-on-one with Brian Murphy. He is the sports columnist with St. Paul Pioneer Press. We've got to step aside for another commercial break, and we will be right back. 
This is the Big E Sports Show on SB Nation Radio. Here's your host, Alyssa Walker-Campbell. Hey, welcome back. Hour number two, SB Nation Radio, the Big E Sports Show. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We're going to continue our conversation with a sports columnist from the St. Paul Pioneer Press, and that is Brian Murphy. And also uh, a player that we've got to mention, uh, Trent Tucker, uh, is one that you highlight. Trent Tucker, and he's still a still a crowd favorite here too. He used to be I a bet. broadcaster uh, for the Wolves and for the Gophers as well. Trent's got an interesting story. He um, he actually went back and got his degree uh, recently in the last couple of years. He left school and and was a few credits shy and came back and they have a program here where where former athletes can come in and and finish up their, their, their degrees. He's also known, I don't know if people know, there is the Trent Tucker rule, right, in the NBA, if you've uh-huh. heard about this. Okay. Why don't you in go- 1993, uh, when, before they had, I think, the 10-second, when they just introduced the tenth of a second clock, uh, there was about three-tenths of a second left at Madison Square Garden. He was playing for the Bulls. They inbounded to him. He turned around and he hit a three, and it went in, and it counted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they determined that there is no way no way any shot can get off in 0.3 seconds. So the Trent Tucker rule is, I believe it's now either 0.6 or 0.7 have to be on the clock for any kind of an inbound pass and shot to count. And it's called the Trent Tucker rule. Okay. Hey, that's interesting. Okay, Brian Murphy with us. Just a few more minutes. SB Nation Radio, uh, the Big E Sports Show. Uh, yeah, we've been talking a lot about basketball, but, uh, you know, when we love golf and uh, we talk a lot about it on our program, uh, the great Tom Lehman, most decorated golfer ever, uh, what, at the University of Minnesota. He was a three-time All-American. Three-time All-American, five-time PGA Tour winner. It took him 12 years to collect his first winner's check. But by 1997, he was the number one player of the world. Um, he, uh, he was a 1981 Minnesota amateur champion as well. Um, he turned pro in 82 instead of a decade on tour honing his game. Finished third in the Masters in 1993. And his, you know, he, everybody remembers this, the magical season he had in 1996 when he finished second at the U.S. Open oh, yeah. and won the British Open at Royal Latham in St. Anne's. The first American to win at the club since Bobby Jones uh, in uh, 1926. You've been listening to The Voice, Brian Murphy, sports columnist at St. Paul Pioneer Press and talking about his new book, 100 Things Minnesota Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, and also a great update on Minnesota basketball. Enjoy the remainder of the season, and a happy 2018 to you as well. Thank you so much, Brian. All right, thanks, Alyssa. Take care. You bet. I want to say a very special thank you to all of our amazing guests tonight. This is our final show in 2017. We look forward to a fantastic 2018. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you at the start of the beginning of the new year.